right, there we go. I'm turned on. I, I really think it'd be really awesome, kind of crazy, totally out of the church box if like one week we had no chairs in here and we just like, like just kind of went crazy on that song. What do y'all think? Would that be fun? I don't, I mean, there's no rules in the Bible about churches not having fun. In fact, we're in a series called like hashtag where's the joy because I think it's just the opposite. Uh, you know, often churches, oftentimes we churches get the whole joy, happiness thing wrong, right? I mean, sometimes you wonder, like, is there any joy in that church? Um, I, I, I thought about this week, and I thought, all right, well, it would be kind of fun to sort of kick things off, to kind of just talk about joy. And uh, I, I, I quickly remembered some of the old signs that I had seen about how we can miss this idea of the church and what Paul talks about in Philippians about why we should have joy and how sometimes we don't really pass it on all so well. I don't know why, but I, I just thought I'd show you these signs real quick. Here's, a, here's some joy. Here's some love, some joy from churches, right? Here's a church sign. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help, all right? Come on. Woo, yeah, that's awesome. Hey, we, we want you to come show up. That's really cool. All right, here's one. Free beer. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Free Jesus. It's like a, we call that a Jesus juke. All right, like, hold on, Slider, you're, you're not giving me enough time to talk about these. You've already read it. Lent is coming. Get your ash in church. Hey, don't kill the messenger. I didn't say it, all right? That's a church sign, all right? Please move on to the next one. Is that last one? All right, here's one. Come here, our pastor. He's not very good, but he's short. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, a lot of joy in those, right? All right, but here's the, here's the truth of the matter. We are in a series called Hashtag Where's the Joy? Because we just really happen to believe that as a Christ follower, someone who is really connected with God, that there is something that is remarkable that's happening inside of you, and is, that is joy. When you are connected to Christ, when you understand that your joy is in Christ, that He is all joy, I mean, He's the author and, and giver of life, when we're connected to Christ, then no one can steal our joy. That we can have joy that weathers every circumstance, every struggle, and anything in life. And that's what we're trying to learn in this series. Paul, the author of the book we've been going through, this is the third week and we're in uh, Philippians chapter 3. Paul, the author, is a guy that's weathering all kinds of storms. In fact, he's writing the book to the church he started in Philippi as he is in the midst of a dungeness prison cell. So here's the writer trying to say, hey, you can have joy in everything and whatever you go through. And he's writing this as he's chained to a Roman guard that they rotate every 24 hours. He's writing about how to have joy. So here's a guy that I think we can listen to. Here's a guy that understands problems, struggles, circumstances. He understands that joy is from within. It's not from without. In fact, when you think about our circumstances, I would say, and I've said this before, most of us are a terrible read of our circumstances. We may not say it, but somehow something inside of us, when times are bad, we think God's not loving us or God has forgotten us. And that's not the case. Uh, we have no further than to look to what Jesus did on the cross to know that we have a God who loves us. I mean, you wouldn't send your best best guy, your, your most prized possession, your son, to give his life and the son to come and give his life and to endure what he endured and like joyfully go to the cross and bear our sin, take our payment on his back if he hated us. 
or if he didn't love us. But how often do you and I get sidetracked and maybe get lied to, little subtle, little creeping in little lies about what God the Father thinks of us when we're having bad circumstances or when you're scared or when just life sucks. It's so easy to have happiness stripped away, joy stripped away when you're not connected to the God who gives joy. Paul talks about this, and we've used this verse sort of as a reference point. Philippians 4.4 4 says this. Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. In fact, he says, I'll say it again, rejoice. Joy is found in Jesus. I want to camp out and get started today in chapter 3. So if you've got a Bible, uh, look it up. If you've got a smartphone, look that up. And let's walk through some of these key passages in uh, Philippians as we really look at a whole other uh, arena of finding joy. The first two weeks we had different aspects of joy. I invite you to go online to our church website and listen to those uh, online listenings like that. I don't know what it's called. I don't think it's a podcast anymore online. I, I just call it online listening. So go check those out. But uh, here we go. Paul speaks and writes here in Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. He says, whatever, whatever, and I mean whatever, whatever happens, Whatever you go through, whatever problem, whatever struggle, whatever issue, whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. And Paul's going towards sort of a a a repetitious type thing here. Uh, There's something that he's learned about where he continues to feast his attention, focus his attention, and how he focuses his mind that helps him to have this joy that doesn't leave him. But he, he just says, hey, whatever, whatever happens, I want you to rejoice in the Lord. Uh, he says, I never get tired of telling you these things. So you see that he's, this is not the first time he said this. I never get tired of telling you these things. And I do it, the reason I tell you these things over and over, I do it to safeguard your faith, to help you. I want you to be protected. I don't want you to lose your joy. So if I continue to tell these things, and if you'll continue to, you know, internalize these things and take steps and watch out and be precautious for some of these things, you're going to be much stronger in your faith and joy in your heart. So Paul says, all right, so I say these things. So what is he going to say? What, what kinds of things is he going to tell us to, to be aware of, or to be cautious of? Maybe uh, some things that would kill our joy or steal our joy. So Paul goes on. Uh, in verse 18, we pick up. It says, for as I have told you before, again, a little repetition here, And now, say it again, even with tears, like it brings me to tears. And I want you to be cautious because many of us live as enemies of the cross, of Christ. And their destiny, ultimately, you're enemies of the cross, your enemy's destruction. He's like, that brings tears to my eyes. And, you know, oftentimes, their God, our God, is the the God of our stomach, you know, the, the feeding whatever appetite we have, going whatever direction, just living a life just like, let me, let me try to leverage this thing to try to make me happy. Let me leverage this thing maybe for a moment of happiness. And, 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 and he's saying whatever direction you go, if you're trying to find fulfillment in things other than Christ, you're going to find out that quickly those things diminish. Quickly those things give a, maybe a moment of hype or happiness, but they will leave you and will not be lasting joy, as Paul talks about here. Their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame, and Paul sums it up here in the end, and ultimately, why that's happening is because their mind is on earthly things. 
So Paul begins to say, if you're going to have joy, obviously real joy can't come from having your mind, your focus, your attention on earthly things. How many of you guys know when you're, when, you're, when you're mentally going some direction and it's not a good direction, you know that that's, never works out very good, right? When you're thinking, it's like, you know, if you've had a bad day and you're like, you know, your boss chews you out, you did something poor at work, how quickly can you think mentally just terrible thoughts about your skill set? Anybody ever done that? Right? I mean, you know, or a husband, you're like, I've been doing so good, and I blew it again, and now my wife is just on my back. She's just, just, she won't relent. How often does the enemy send some other little flare signals up and little bolts of whatever you want to send to just mess you up mentally? Paul speaks to this idea of so much of joy is where you focus your mind. So, see, so Paul talks in this passage about some things that kill your joy. I've kind of summarized these up. I'll walk through these real quick. I think the number one joy killer, the first joy killer Paul talks about here, I would summarize and say, is, is when we are unaware of the benefits of the cross. I would say the very first thing that Paul speaks of that kills and steals and just robs of us, of us of our joy is when we're missing and sort of unaware of the benefits of the cross. I don't always walk through my day with a, a acute uh, knowledge of in the moment of how much Jesus loves me by remembering the proof of what he did on the cross. I don't, always, I don't always walk through my day with that thing on my mind. I don't always remember the benefit of the cross when I'm just kind of heaping guilt on myself for remembering I'm, I'm here where I'm at right now because of what I did in my past. I'm, I'm unaware of the benefit of the cross. You see, a lot of us, most people, most people get to some place in their life where life is so bad and they recognize, yeah, there is a God who loves me. And they, they, they start their faith out. They say, you know what, God, I'm going I'm to trust you for my salvation. I'm going to trust you for, like, under believing that you can give me heaven and all of eternity with you. But then a lot of us stop right there. And we stay baby Christians. We stay sort of immature. We, we miss out on all the other benefits of the cross because a lot of us stop focusing on it. And we forget about it. And what Paul says is, listen, don't stay where you're at. Don't get stuck. I'm wanting to be repetitious and remind you to not miss the benefit and walk through life being sort of oblivious and unaware of the benefits of what Jesus meant and did for us on the cross. So it's like we, we, we got we to gotta think about what that means for us. We got to think about how that is like the, the most amazing thing that someone would, would choose and like we saw last week, have joy in their hearts on their way to dying for us on the cross. I mean, that's profound. Somebody would give their life for me. Now listen, I know other people have given lives before for other people. We get that. In fact, if that's all that Jesus had done we would be no different and have nothing else to really hang our hats on any different than any other world religion. Do you know every other world religion, they had a guy, 
that most of them was martyred, and he died for their cause. So what separates Christianity from any other world religion? Does a dead Savior bring us a whole lot of joy? <laughs> Absolutely not. But when you think about the cross, you think about the guy who said, I'm going to do it, then went and did it, and then did it, and then rose from the dead. I mean, come on. At that point, you're like, that makes me happy, right? My guy didn't die, which means a whole lot for us, right? It just means like the world of difference. My guy who lives in me didn't stay dead. He lives, and what's promised, I can believe the promise that he's coming back. Why? Because he died. Because he rose from the dead, and people have tried to snuff out and stop Jesus and Christianity since it was birthed. Since it was birthed 2,000 years. Any Jesus hater, any God hater who's ever tried to stop this hasn't. All across the globe today, people are even giving their lives. I shared last week my friend Matt Nowry, who's in Iraq right now, working with Samaritan's Purse. He's their chief guy, receiving refugees, fleeing from ISIS, fleeing from the terrorists, and he's finding people left and right who's had their children killed because they would not denounce the new Jesus that they'd given their life to. They would not go back to their old God. They said, no, we believe in Jesus and we're giving our life to him. And they wouldn't denounce their faith and they would kill their kids because of it. <laughs> How crazy is this? Here we are. We have a God who gives his life for us. And he says to us, you can have anything else, but if you miss knowing and really experiencing me, you're going to miss joy. So Paul talks about this, being aware of the cross. I think he also speaks of being addicted to pleasure. That's an easy one to do, right? I mean, if we live in this little focused mindset of like, this is my world, this is my, my home here on this earth, it's so easy to go throughout our days if we're not focused on God to find everything else out there to try to fill ourselves with a little bit of happiness, right? I'll just, silly, funny thing about me is there are days I can be a little discouraged and when no one's around, I'll slip over to, to Krispy Kreme Donuts. I'll indulge a little bit. Is that bad? Is that sin? No. But it can, it can over time be like a coping mechanism, right? Like, oh, I'm mad. I'm not having a happy day. Let me go get a Krispy Kreme. Oh, wow. God, oh, so good, right? How long does that last? Until I eat another one, right? I mean, and then you go, then, then what happens, right? Then you go total glutton, and you're like, oh, I'm sick. That didn't help. And you're like, can't sleep. And then, you know, I'm kind of, what Jesus is trying to, what Paul's trying to help us grasp here, if we can live a life with perspective that all things come from God and that joy is found by being closely connected to God, then it helps us to not find fleeting happiness and some stuff that really doesn't give us much joy. Paul also leads, leads here in the end and says um, that their mind is on earthly things. And I would say that's the last joy killer. It's just having an earthly mindset. Just um, narrowing our focus down to the things that are right in front of us. Uh, and what Paul's wanting us to grasp is there has to be more. How many times have you had that, that, that feeling of like, there's got to be more to this? It's got to be more than this life, right? You go to work and you do this stuff over and over and over again, and you're like, eh, there's got to be more than this. 
And Jesus is constantly trying to get our attention through life scenarios and struggles. And he's trying to say, I am the more. I am the more. And in Christ, we can have the more. And that's what Paul talks about here. Paul also writes in Romans, and I wanted to bring this up. Romans, he writes this. He says, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. As it, essentially to say, same warning here. Here's, this, here's, here's a joy killer. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck just following the patterns of everybody else. You know, this guy looks like he's got it going on. Oh, that's what makes him happy. I'll try that. Listen, God wants us to have pleasure. He just doesn't want our focus to be that that's going to make me happy. He wants our focus to be on Him. I remember so many times when I was young growing up, and I have this huge, huge admiration for my dad. My dad is 72 years old now. And I get around my dad, and I still feel like a little boy who looks up to my dad like he is the great rescuer great provider. I can't tell you how many stupid things I was a part of and did all of my life growing up. I was a real wild, crazy, adventurous kid, always getting into trouble, always one step away from like, I'm going to die, one more step forward type stuff. And I just, I can track this back to like even one time when I was just like five years old. My dad and I, you know, from South Florida, fishing uh, on this long canal bank in South Florida, and I remember falling into the water. My dad, I'd slipped. I just kept getting further and further away from my dad. My dad kept on saying, "Hey, come on back here. You're getting too close for me. There's there's gators out in this water." And I remember getting a long ways down the bank and slipping in the edge of the canal. And I slipped in and I could not get myself up. And I started screaming because I heard a gator coming behind me. And I looked around and I could just see like this thing just coming fast. Like a big splash in the water, they're like, mm, dinner. And my dad sees it, and I can, I'm screaming, going, Dad, help! My dad comes flying down the canal and just like scoops me up and just throws me up on land. And that gator, I promise you, just went like right when he pulled me out. I mean, I was crying, I got done. I can tell you, I promise you, I have at least five more stories like that. <laughs> when I look at my dad, I think rescuer. It's only when I think about my dad that I remember him as my rescuer. It's the same principle. God is a dad. And he, he, it breaks his heart when the people, his kids, who he loves the most, try to find hope and rescue in anything else other than himself. When you and I, as Paul tries to remind us, um, miss and think of ourselves like this is our world and this is where it ends and this is everything to us here, then we miss the joy that comes from Christ. Paul speaks to that and he says in Philippians 3.20, he says, I want you to be reminded of this, that our citizenship is not here. You're, you're a U.S. American now. Or you're, where you're from, maybe that's where your citizenship is, but not really. Maybe just for a, a moment, maybe a sliver, this, this lifetime, 60, 70, 80, 100, however long you get, is but a moment compared to eternity forever with God. 
And God says, if you can live in light of eternity, with eternity as a mindset, it can bring you much joy. Why? Because I'm giving you eternity. If you'll give me your life. You give me your hope. If you understand me as your rescuer, you can find hope in that. So Paul walks through and talks about some of those joy killers. And what we take away from that is the key to joy is to be, be eternally minded. To find a big picture perspective and sort of trading one perspective of cheap imitation, short-lived little happiness to real joy and satisfaction in Christ by having an eternal mindset. So we'll walk through some more of Philippians. And I want to give you three things uh, that I think will help us practically be eternally minded by what Paul says. I want to give you one of them right here out of the gate. It says, what I wrote is, um, to, be etern- to be eternally minded, we've got to see God's redemption for our yesterday. To be eternally minded, we've got to see God's redeeming our stories from our past. But by that I mean to understand that God's using our past for good. Having understanding that God's, God can use your past, however bad, however good you think it is, however bad you think it is, understanding that God wants to use your past for good in the future is tremendously helpful to have joy. It's like, could you imagine every difficult thing would have no purpose? That would be terrible. But God says, no, 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 listen. I don't, in 2 Samuel uh, 14, 14, God says, we see in Scripture, I don't sleep, I don't just sweep life away, but instead I leverage life to bring you back to myself. That's what the Bible says. That's what Paul's saying. Paul says in three, uh, Philippians 3, 7, it says, but whatever, whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Now remember, Here's a guy, Paul's a man with a past. Um, he, he was a prideful guy. He was a highly religious guy. In fact, prior to Paul's coming to believe in Jesus, believe in God, the, the Savior, Paul murdered Christians. Do you know that? The writer of this book, he killed Christians. He was out to snuff out like all people of Rome. He was a Roman citizen. He was a Roman person, and he was trying to crush Christianity. He wanted to stop, stomp out this Jesus movement, so he was killing Christians. Paul's got a, Paul's got a past. And Paul could have carried this baggage. He could have carried a lot of guilt. He could have carried all this shame around. But instead, Paul's mindset was like, hey, God, whatever was to profit then, I now consider loss for Christ's sake. It's not worth anything to me. What is more, I consider everything loss, a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I'd give it all up for Jesus, what he's saying. All that I had in the past is just a joke compared to knowing Jesus. Like he's finding his joy in like the relationship with Jesus, whereas before he was just a religious guy. He was just a religious guy. He was just trying to like, I'm just trying to be a good boy. And showcase all how I'm good to people, right? I'm trying to be highly religious and try to earn my way to appeasing some God. And he goes on to say, But I consider all that old stuff rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having, here this is cool, not having a righteousness on my own, not trying to 
find a way to try to be, try, like, try so hard to be good to be made right with God because we know we can't be made right with God. None of us are that good. And Paul wasn't either. He knew it. He said, not having a righteousness on my own that comes from the law by trying to be good enough, but, but that which is through, through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. See, what Paul is saying here is, my joy comes from being closely connected to and associated to and remembering, what's, remembering what Christ did for me. Knowing that Jesus rose from the dead and that he's using my junk in my past to, to make sense of this life, my struggles, my difficulties, the joy that's in me, it's not only just for me, but it's for others. All that gives Paul joy as he's writing from a prison, prison cell. So here's Paul. He's like, like having a happy moment, like singing like, if you want to, whatever that song says, right? He's, he's like having a happy moment, writing to people, trying to say, listen, don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't get lost in temporary little Krispy Kreme donut happiness. It's fine. It's all good. But listen, real joy comes from being connected to God. Why? Because he's the guy who loved you. He's the guy who gave his life for you. He's the guy that offers you everything. Paul goes on to say this. I want to know God. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Like Paul's like, I'm in with this guy. I'm in. Anybody who could die, predict he was going to die, rose from the dead, predict that, I'm in with them. Through thick and thin, I'm, I'm, I'm brothers with him. I'm with him. Becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain the resurrection of the dead. Paul says to be eternally minded, we've got to see how God is redeeming our yesterday. Some of you carry a lot of guilt. Some of you want to forget your past. and you, There's a level, yeah, kind of forget it. But there's a level of God says, listen, don't be ashamed. Don't live in shame because of anything you've ever done in the past. One, none of us are good. Only Jesus is good. But through me, through me in you, we can let that go. You don't have to carry that. You can, you can get rid of it. And you can live in freedom and have joy by being connected with me and understanding I'll use it for, for good. There's purpose in it. And I'll show you it over time. Maybe God, at times in your life, has brought people to you for you to kind of just, hey, you know what? I have your, I have your same story. I've done the same stuff. Let me tell you how it works out. <laughs> Not so good. But let me put my arm around you. I'm your friend, right? God, God wants to use that for you to pass on the joy that's in you to somebody else. Second thing I see that Paul says is to, to, in order to be eternally minded is we ought to see God's purpose for our todays, for my today. Meaning that Paul wants us to find purpose in the present. Like not, you know, live in the past and angry at the past, but God wants to use your past for for future good purposes. And also Paul wants us to grasp it, that God has purpose right now for where you're, where you're at. Paul says this in Philippians 3.12, Not that I have already obtained all this. I'm not all there yet. Or have already been made perfect. It's like I'm not perfect. I, I'm not like Jesus. Only He's Jesus. I'm not. But regardless, I'm going to press on. I'm going to keep focusing forward. I'm going to keep moving on 
to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. He says, brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. And here's where Paul kind of comes to like a, here's but one thing I do. Here's one thing that I constantly do. I constantly am forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. That's the, I mean, that, underline that one. Circle that one. Constantly forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. See, what Paul is talking about is the mind here again, right? Paul is choosing where he focuses his attention. Most of us, in our bad days, we focus our attention on all our bad stuff. And Jesus is going, come on now, boys and girls, come on. You're my son. You're my daughter. You are who I love. Focus on me. Remember me. Remember what I've done for you. Remember what I can do for you. Don't think that this is your forever here in this moment. It's not. It's not. Your home is with me in heaven. I'll get you through this. I've got life beyond this moment. And I got your story part of it. So Paul says, straining toward what is ahead, I press on. I'm not quitting. I'm pressing on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I think about a couple people that I, I have had just some unique connections with that um, have forgotten their pasts and are using, um, you know, not, not the guilt of their past, but leveraging their story for God's kingdom purposes and how they're finding joy through it. I just remember I got a call last night from Carlos um, Lopez, who is launching our first My Church church, new church that we're launching in, in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, we've got a Mi Iglesia starting in Mexico. We're, we're paying for this thing. We're getting a lot of money towards it. What you give to the church, we, we give a portion to them, and they're, they're, they're getting this church rocking and rolling. Carlos called me last night. He goes, Pastor Jeff, I just want to tell you, if you're baptizing at my church today, guess what? We're baptizing too. And he was so fired up, and he's like, left me this message. I didn't get it. I, I was asleep. <laughs> But I, I woke up this morning and listened to this message. I'm like, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, hear our efforts and how God took a young Mexican kid who'd, who'd been deported twice, who was highly convicted of it. In fact, I got a ticket one time with Carlos. We got profiled. We, we, Carlos was helping me paint some stuff at my house. We got profiled one day because all this stuff was hanging out. We got pulled over. I got a ticket for like, I don't know, something totally ridiculous on my truck. Maybe a, a, a light or something that had just gone out. And Carlos was like, hey, bro, it was because I was in the car. It happens to me all the time. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? Get out, man. I was like, hit a teacher ride with something. I was like, no, come on. It's so, it's so funny. But he's like, it happens to me all the time. He's like, I carry this guilt and shame, and, and I, want, I want to serve God. And it's so cool how Carlos went from that and how he grew over five years in our church, and God just change his mind and like, you know what, I'm going to go back and I want to reach my friends for Christ and I want to start a church. And for two years, we put Carlos through like all types of like church assessments. He went, we sent him all kind of places that for, for church planning organizations that do all this. And he, he went through like all kinds of like, you know, growth and, and trainings. And it's so cool to see where this young man has gone with carrying all this baggage from his past. And you should, see, you should hear some of his stories of his baggage that he carried for years 
and how he has gone from there to, I mean, doing some incredible things for the Lord. It's awesome. He's like, I'm just so happy. I'm just so happy. I'm like, yeah, you are. Look at you. You're living with a mindset of this is not your home. You're understanding that, that God is life, and you're, you're so happy because of what he's done in you. You're sharing it with others. I think of another person, and I want to share uh, Angela Reitz this morning. is a girl who's been in our church and just a month ago, or actually just a couple weeks ago, left our church and went to another country to serve. And I want to have her share her story real quick. Hi, my church. My name is Angela Reitz, and I wanted to tell you a little bit about what God is doing in my life. I bring you greetings today from Bangladesh. When I was young, about 15 years old, I felt God calling me to do missions work. And I've spent the last 20 years working very hard to become a doctor and board certified in obstetrics and gynecology. Now God has finally given me the opportunity to come and serve the people in my area of expertise in Bangladesh. So I ask for your prayers for my safety, my health, and mostly that God will be able to accomplish his great works through me. Thank you. Another story just like that. Here's a person who is leveraging what God has done in them for somebody else's future. And maybe God will never call you to go do that. But maybe God would want to leverage your story, your struggle, and give it purpose with someone who's sitting next to you or a friend you have in this city. But I'm telling you this, Paul speaks of us not quitting, pressing on, putting our attention on, on Christ. And if we will focus our attention on the one who really has life and offers us hope, then it will change our joy altogether. I love this last passage in Philippians 3. Um, I, I, what I pull out of this is the third point I want to give you is to see God's plan for our tomorrow. Want to have eternal, eternal perspective? Start seeing God's plan for tomorrow. Paul speaks of this. He says again, we spoke of this a moment ago. Um, chapter 3, 20 and 21 says, but our citizenship is in heaven. He's like, don't forget that. That's the, that's the deeper reality here. That's the reality and perspective we ought to have throughout some of our dark days and our fearful moments and our, God's, I'm not worthy to be used and you don't know my past. God says, remember your citizenship is in heaven. And we ought to be eagerly awaiting, like anticipating that Jesus is going to come back, a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Can I just say that like heaven is God's plan for us? Heaven's God's ultimate plan for all of us. And I, I wrote this quote down, and I can't even tell you who I'm quoting this from, but it's not mine. But I love this. It says, aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you'll miss both. That's a good one. Aim at heaven, and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you'll miss them both. Bottom line is for us, don't miss out on how God wants to leverage your stuff. Give purpose to it. And through that, make sense of your past and put joy in your heart. I love this. Joy comes from knowing God has our past, present, and our future. <laughs> knowing that joy comes from knowing God has our past, present, and future. So the question is, 
How are you allowing God to use your past? How are you, are you open to allowing God and stepping out there by faith for God to use your stuff, your resources? Are, are, you, are you trusting God enough to, for Him to use your talents, the, the things He's gifted you with, your abilities? Or are you saying, you know what, I don't, I don't have that much to give or I don't have that much talent, I'm not that good enough. And you let the enemy sort of lie to you and you buy in the lie that God doesn't want to do anything in your life. I know so many people that walk through life, and maybe this is you, I don't know. I know so many people that walk through life and they just get up every day and it's the same old, same old. And go to work, same problems at work, go to bed and they're tired, exhausted from the day. And it's that same just dull, life sucks kind of attitude. I just want to say that Paul speaks of a joy that blows my mind. He speaks and writes this from a prison cell. Dark, bathing, going to the bathroom, a dude chained to you. That's terrible. Yet here's a guy that says, listen, I'm happy. I'm at peace. I got so much joy, I want you to have it too. I just want to say if this is you this morning, maybe this is, maybe Scripture, God's just kind of knocking on your heart's door. Can I just tell you today, I think all of us could take some sort of spiritual step by just saying, God, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm just going to surrender to you. I'm going to wake up every day next week and I'm going to pray, God, I want to remember where my salvation comes from. God, remind me today that of the grace that you've given me through giving my heart to you. God, would you, I want to wake up tomorrow and be reminded and ask you to remind me of the forgiveness I have in you. God, I want to wake up tomorrow and I want to just surrender to you and say, God, I, I'm, I'm giving you my feet, my legs, my arms, my head, my ears, my nose. I, I'm all yours today, God, to be used however you want to. I'm yours. God, use me however you want. My past, my present, my future. I think if every day we were mindful of this not being our home and that Jesus is coming back for us to take us with him forever, I believe it would change, it would change our attitude. It would change our, our hearts. It would change our minds. And because of that, we could be people that would have joy like Paul speaks of. And what I love is getting around people that are full of joy. <laughs> you know, you know when, when, you're, when you're around people full of joy, they can't contain it, right? You ever been around someone that's like they're so full of joy, it just rubs off on you? Like I love getting around someone who's full of joy because it's like, this is intoxicating. I love it. Let, let's just hang out more. This is where Paul's at. And Paul wants to help you become that person full of joy. And he says, the way you do it is by focusing on Christ who gives us joy. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we kind of just want to allow this to seep in practically for us. God, I pray that you would help us. And however you lead us to take a step towards you. Maybe it's a, a faith step. Maybe it's... I've been saying no to trusting God in the arena of my finances. Or I've been saying no to God by trusting Him by just not wanting to talk to someone and share with them 
the struggles of my past. Maybe it's, God, I've been saying no to you for just letting you have complete liberty in my heart and, and leading me to do uh, this scary next step, whatever it is. But I pray, God, that you would help each of us to trust you by faith and, and make a practice of every day uh, surrendering our hearts to you, R- reminding ourselves of the benefits of the cross, the benefits of what it is to be a savior of the most high king, being a son or a daughter of the greatest dad that's ever, ever been. Um, to, to know that, uh, that our eternity forever is secure uh, because of Jesus giving his life for us. God, would you help us daily, daily to, uh, to be reminded of those things and surrender to those things. And God, I pray that as you fill us with your joy, we would pass it on to others. So Lord, we love you. We thank you for what we learned from today's uh, passage. We ask, God, that you would help us to, to, to live in that reality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.